Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. And it's, a, it's an honor and a blessing to be able to be in the Lord's house this morning as we, as we worship today. Through all the coldness and uh, sometimes it's hard to get out and get going. But uh, it's good to see everyone here this morning. We do have a, a couple of announcements in the uh, bulletin. Uh, number one is our uh, annual business meeting that will be this Thursday, the 26th at 7 o'clock. So if you're a member, please, uh, please uh, put that on your agenda uh, to be here to uh, take part in the business of the church. And uh, right next to that will be the um, uh, summer cookout planning meeting. We've been having a successful cookout for the last few years and uh, just want to have a meeting to uh, discuss uh, what was done last year and uh, what we may do uh, this year. And so it's a good opportunity for uh, reaching out into the community. So uh, be in, in prayer for the meeting and as we uh, uh, plan on having that this summer. Any other announcements that need to be made this morning? Yes, Russ. Question. They're talking about another big snowstorm in Thursday. So what's the plan if that happens? I think it's supposed to start Wednesday night into Thursday, so it may start before Thursday evening. Yeah, if, uh, yeah, we'll, um, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, when that when that uh, when that comes to pass, we'll uh, we'll kind of touch base with everyone. Uh, if it's really bad, we'll pre we'll um, uh, probably just uh, cancel that or or postpone it for another date. But we'll kind of uh, play that by ear. Thank you, Russ. Any other uh, any other announcements, questions? Yes, uh, Jane. Mm. Yes, that's a, a, a good opportunity uh, for uh, uh, for those un unborn mothers. Yes, uh, Anita. Good, amen. Wow. And that's just wow. That's a ton of food or many tons. With that. Thank you for your, your hard work in, in that. And, uh, and we appreciate the uh, ministry of the food pantry that we've had for so long and, uh, and those that have been able to hear the gospel and, uh, and to be able to be here in our church uh, with us. Any other announcements this morning? All right. Well, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. 
<clears throat> Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house today, and, and it's a little cold and outside, and we're thankful that we can be inside and we can be worshiping here with other believers. We pray that you would help us each and every day to be uh, faithful in our service to you and faithful in our uh, coming to you in prayer and reading your word and, and that we would just be more, more like you each and every day. We pray that you would watch over our service this morning and we thank you for each one that is here. And think of those that may not be able to be here from, uh, uh, for sickness or whatever the reason, but we thank you for those that are here. We pray that you would help us to, uh, we pray that you would open our ears this morning to what you would have for us and that, uh, and that we would receive a blessing from being here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 <clears throat> Our uh, call to worship this morning will actually be found on the back of your bulletin, and we have, uh, we've, uh, in the past, we've, uh, we've done a responsive reading, and uh, we haven't done that for a while, so this morning, if you would stand with me, we're going to do the uh, call of worship on the back of your uh, bulletin. We'll do that responsively, and uh, and you will read the uh, uh, the uh, old the bold the bold print. That was the word, the bold print. Yeah. All right. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom He has redeemed from trouble. And gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, till they reached the city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Amen. And, you, uh, and uh, let's uh, remain standing, actually, and we will sing number 24 in your green book. Number 24.
seated. And now if the men would come forward for the morning offering, please. And if you have uh, any prayer requests, uh, please uh, fill them out and just drop them in the uh, offering plate as it goes by. Again, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to give, and as has been our, our custom, and as you have uh, told us in your word, that you love a cheerful giver. We pray that we would do that and that we wouldn't be giving grudgingly because all that we have comes from you. And we pray that you would take this offering, you would use it and bless it, and we just thank you for how you have blessed this church over the years. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Our scripture reading this morning will be found in uh, Matthew 7. If you'd like to turn with me there, Matthew 7. That will be found on page 762 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along with me. Matthew 7. <clears throat> judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and, and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? 
So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does, not, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority not as their scribes. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word today. Mm. And now if you turn with me to number 642, we'll sing Abide With Me. And let's sing verses 1, 3, and 5. Number 642, verses 1, 3, and 5. Yeah. 
Beautiful words. In life and death, O Lord, abide with me. We're going to take some time now to go to the Lord together in prayer. We come to you this morning, God, and we, we praise you. We come to you and acknowledge your power and your glory. We come to you weighed down by, by sin and difficulty. We come to you weighed down with any number of concerns. And we come to you because you are God, because we know you hold the universe in your hand because we know you have power and authority over all things. Lord Jesus, we know that you sit at the right hand of the Father. We come to you and we praise you. We praise you for your glory that you've shown in creation, that you've powerfully made all things. And we praise you that you've shown your mighty right hand of salvation, that through Jesus Christ you are making all things new. We acknowledge, Lord, that you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are Most High. You alone are God. You alone are our King. And so we come to you this morning and, and bow to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We acknowledge, Lord, that as we come to you, that in your presence, to you all hearts are open, to you all desires are known, and that from you no secrets are hid. And so as we come into your presence this morning, we lament our sins and our offenses against you and against your glory. Lord, we know we've sinned against you. And for those sins which we are properly aware of, we grieve and we mourn. We, when we understand fully the reality of our sin and the reality of your holiness, the burden of our sin is more than we can bear on our own. And so we come to you this morning, Lord, aware of the weight of the sin, and we throw ourselves on your mercy. We throw ourselves on your grace, and we ask Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. For the sake of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us, Father, all that is past. Forgive us our sins and transgressions and grant us that from here forward we may forevermore serve you and please you in newness of life and glorify you. Let's take a moment now to silently confess our sins before God. We praise you and we thank you, Father, that, that though our, our sins are as scarlet, in Christ they can be white as snow. We thank you that this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and that if any of us sin, 
we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and that he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We thank you, Father, that in Jesus we can be forgiven, cleansed, made whole. We thank you, Father, for that assurance. And it's in that confidence that we come to you this morning, knowing that though our sins were as scarlet, if we are in Christ, they are white as snow. Father, we come to you this morning aware um, not only of the, of the burden of sin which weighs us down, but also of the many cares of this life, um, physical infirmities, griefs, anxieties, fears. We come this morning, Lord, burdened with a load of care. And so we come this morning for your help, knowing that if we're Christians, you're our Father, and that you care for us, and that you hear us, and that you love us, and that when we come to you this morning, you actually welcome us into your presence and seat us on your knee and say, what's the matter? And so we come to you, Lord, with a number of things we want to bring to you, Father, that, that you would intervene. I thank you, Lord, for this, uh, this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for what a, what a sweet thing it is to be a part of a church that genuinely loves one another. I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to build us up and to mature us, especially as we look towards a, a business meeting, annual business meeting this week, that you'd bless our planning, both as we look back on the last year and look forward to the next, uh, that you would be at work in the plans that we lay, um, and not only in the plans themselves, but in how we lay them. Lord, that you'd protect us from division, that you'd protect us from strife. Um, Lord, and that as we think through uh, the coming year, that you would provide for our every need and that you would continue to provide for us, Lord, a sweet fellowship with one another, that we wouldn't be quick to take offense, but that love would cover a multitude of sins. We pray your blessing over the rest of our time together this morning. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us in your word, that you would open up our minds and our hearts to see wonderful things in your word. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's pray together as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This time I'll ask you to stand together. And you can open the green book to number 214. There is one gospel.
one gospel on which I stand for all eternity. It is my story, my Father's plan, the Son has rescued me. Number 217, Lord from Sorrows Deep I Call. So the thorn remains 
open your Bibles with me this morning to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, where we're continuing our journey through the book of Genesis. There's no shortage of people out there, commentators, authors, teachers, gurus of many shapes and forms, who offer people some form of the path to the good life, the path to blessing, right? You can find them chatting away on the internet, on Facebook, or in the self-help section of your local bookstore, offering any number of solutions 
to the problems of life. Here it is, the path to the good life, whatever they may call it. The path to blessing. And even then within, within those who might consider themselves Christian writers of various shapes and forms, there's all sorts of people out there who'll tell you this is the way to get blessing from God. Right? This is the way, whatever it might be, to leverage God to really pour out his blessing on your life. Right? And there's plenty of, plenty of televangelists on TV asking you to empty your wallet for that very purpose. Where is it that we can find blessing? How is it that we can find blessing from God? And the answer won't be found in listening to the charlatans. It'll be found in going to the Word. Going to the Word. And that's where we're going this morning. It's Genesis 26, and it's a chapter of incredible blessing poured out on a man named Isaac. And to put this chapter in perspective, we need to understand just a brief summary of everything we've looked at so far in Genesis. Remember, Genesis is a story of beginnings, and at the very beginning, we read about the beginning of the world, when God made all things from nothing by the power of his word. And in the beginning, it was good. And then everything went wrong. And why did everything go wrong? Sin. Adam and Eve turned from God. They turned from the one source of everything that is good in the world and said, we'll figure it out on our own. Right? And brought upon themselves the curse of sin and death. Right? And so the great question, right at the opening, well, of all creation, right and at the opening of the, this book and of the Bible is, how can we who've turned from God, who've cut ourselves off from the one source of true, everlasting blessing and life, how can we somehow be restored to the blessing and the goodness of God? And the story then turns to a glimmer of, a, of hope in a man named Abraham. Right? Back in Genesis 12. We've been following him for a while. Remember, back in Genesis 12, God began to make a covenant with Abraham and to give him great promises, promises of blessing. Right? Blessing. And what did God promise to this guy, Abraham? I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to make of you a great nation. Remember, he takes him out stargazing. Look at the stars. That's how many kids I'm going to give you, Abraham. He renames him, right? You're Abraham, which means father of many nations. So far, so good, but what about us, right? We're, is the blessing just for Abraham? No, what's the promise? Right from the very beginning, through you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. What God begins with Abraham, this covenant he makes with Abraham, is a program for the blessing of the, the whole world. And so if we want to know where to find blessing from God, we should start with Abraham. Because that's where the blessing program begins. Only in this chapter, we're done with Abraham. Well, in one sense, we're done, and in the other sense, we're, we're not at all. Because Abraham's dead and gone. We saw that in the last chapter. And here we begin to deal with his son, Isaac. Now, get the lineage straight. It's Abraham and then Isaac. 
And then Isaac's sons are Jacob and Esau. And we talked about them last week. Genesis 26, we take a break from Jacob and Esau. We'll get back to them next week. Here we're focusing on Isaac. Here we're focusing on Isaac and the blessing that God is going to give to Isaac, okay? And the sort of the, the truth that's lit up in neon lights in this passage is that the blessing of God has passed now from Abraham down through Isaac, and not just to Isaac, but actually to all of his descendants. And what, what's going to be hinted at here is it's going to eventually blossom out, billow out into the whole world. Okay? The blessing of God is passing from Abraham to his son, down through his line, and out into the whole world. My hope for us, my prayer for us this morning, is that as we look at this passage and as we watch Isaac receive graciously the blessings of God, and they're going to be heaped up on top of him in a way that he can barely bear them, right? He's blessed abundantly. And as we see God bless Isaac, my prayer is that we would see it, recognize here the blessing of God, and then as we see it, then to seek the blessing of God, ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ, Isaac's son, through many generations. That we would see the blessing of God to Isaac, and that we would seek the blessing of God through Jesus Christ, which is ultimately where we can taste the blessing promised to Abraham. Let's pray. Actually, first let's read the passage, and then we'll pray. Genesis 26. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of this place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and many servants, 
so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a spring of water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? And they said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug to him, and said to him, We have found water. He called it Shiva, therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was forty years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Bezamath, the daughter of Elan, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, even as you spoke to our father Abraham and our father Isaac and made known to them the path of life and made known to them promises of great blessing, We ask, Father, that this morning, by your spirit and by your word, which we have before us, that you would speak to us, that your word would be a light unto our feet, that you would show us Jesus, and that you would show us the only pathway to ultimate, eternal, lasting blessing in knowing you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This chapter is all about the blessing. It's all about the blessing. And we're going to see this chapter move through three movements. Okay? First, we'll see the blessing promised. That's verses 1 through 5. The blessing is promised to Isaac. The promise is reiterated. Then we'll see the blessing in question. 
There'll be, there'll be a sort of dramatic tension where everyone's wondering, is God going to bless Isaac like he says he will? And then finally, and this is the, the, really the bulk of the passage, we see God does pour out his blessing on Isaac. It becomes very clear that he, that he, he blesses him. The blessing is promised, the blessing is in question, and ultimately the blessing is provided. So first we see the blessing promised. We read in verse 1 that there was a famine in the land in the days of Isaac. And um, just to keep us from being confused, Moses notes this is not the same famine that happened in, in Abraham's time. As we know, in the time of Abraham, Isaac's father, there was a famine, and he was forced to go down to the land of Egypt. Right? And we know things didn't go well down there. And so uh, we're told this is a different famine in the days of Isaac. And Isaac goes not to Egypt, but to Gerar, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. Right? In this time of famine, he goes to a populated place where they have stores of food. Uh, this is where you go in a time of famine, is somewhere where there's resources. And we're told in verse 2 that the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt. You don't want to go down there. Instead, the Lord tells Isaac, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. Right? He says, don't leave the promised land. And this, is, this has been a theme for Isaac as Abraham has guided him. Don't leave the promised land. This land is the land that God had promised. So don't go anywhere. And what God does for Isaac is he reiterates the promises that Isaac would have heard over and over and over from his father. Right? His father, Abraham, had built his life on these promises. And I can only imagine the number of times Abraham ushered Isaac in his tent and said, All right, Isaac, tell me again the promises that God gave us. Tell me again what God has promised. My assumption is Isaac knew these words by heart. But God reiterates them to Isaac. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens, and will give your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. This is a rerun. This is a repeat. Okay. But it's repeated because we need the word of God repeated. We're prone to forget. We're prone to not believe it. We need to hear the word of God again and again and again and again to soak in it, to sit in it, because we are prone to wander. So he reiterates these promises. Notice, he reiterates the promise that in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. This is what we've already talked about, right? That what's beginning with Abraham and now going on to Isaac is eventually going to blossom into blessing for the whole world. Right? And we have the rest of the story, right? We know where this goes eventually. That the line of Abraham, and the New Testament traces this very carefully, the line of Abraham culminates in the coming of Jesus Christ. That when God says, in your offspring, your descendant, your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God's talking about Jesus. 
He's saying, in your offspring, through this nation, this family line, which will ultimately come to a head with Jesus, I'm going to bring blessing to all the nations. And this is, we understand the gospel more fully than Isaac understood it, right? What does this blessing consist of? That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Abraham, the Son of Eve, died on a cross. And when he died, he bore upon himself the sins of the world. And that three days later, he rose again from the dead, breaking death. And that he's ascended up to the Father where he reigns and will reign forever and ever. And, and the implications of this are anyone who comes to him, right? All who believe him, who receive him, who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. He forgives us, cleanses our sin, and reconciles us to the Father. Right? This is the blessing that's radiating out from the line of Abraham. That the whole world can be fixed from that fundamental problem which broke us in the beginning. That the curse can be lifted. Death is defeated because of Jesus. Notice what God says about Abraham. In your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because... And this is interesting, and maybe you should cause your eyebrow to go up a little bit. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Here God hinges the promise that Isaac has received and that the whole world will receive on one man's obedience. It says, Abraham obeyed, so I'm going to keep my promise. This gives us a picture of the way God makes covenants with human beings. The way God makes covenants with humankind. In every generation... When the people of God look back to the Abrahamic covenant as we read through the whole of the Old Testament all the way up to Jesus, in every generation, they're always talking about Abraham. They're always talking about Abraham because the way God makes covenants with humankind is, is he'll make a covenant with someone who is a sort of head. And that with that, um, in that covenant, it's, it's everyone who's, connected in with the head who receives the blessings of the covenant. Like, with this Abrahamic covenant, he makes the covenant with Abraham, and then everyone who's connected into Abraham, right, all those who are children of Abraham, receive the blessings of the covenant. Right? They receive the blessings of the covenant. And they receive the blessings of the covenant obedience of their covenant head, who is Abraham. In this sense, Abraham is a picture for us of Christ. Okay. Abraham's not a perfect picture of Christ. But it's Abraham's obedience that enables this covenant to go on forward. Right? Isaac is looking back, and he hears the word of God. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, I'm going to bless you, Isaac. Right? It's Abraham's ob obedience that... that um, bankrolls the check of blessing. 
And so in a, same, in a similar and actually in a greater sense, if we are in Christ, it's the obedience of Christ that bankrolls the check of blessing right, in, in our lives. Um, Christ is our covenant head. Right? It's, it's his obedience to death on the cross and resurrection on the third day that enables our salvation. That's one thing to note based on what's laid out here about the promise. That the covenant blessing is contingent on the obedience of the covenant head. That points us forward to our need of a better covenant head who is Jesus. The other thing to note is that when God poured out his blessing into the world, he did it in a particular way. He didn't at first sort of do an umbrella blessing on everyone in the world. He chooses a man and his family, which becomes a people, which becomes a nation. Right? He chooses a particular vessel for his blessing. And this nation ultimately culminates in the coming of Jesus. Right? And it's Jesus who is God's chosen instrument of, of blessing. God does not bless the nations around Isaac. He blesses Isaac. And ultimately the promise is all the nations can be blessed, but it's through Isaac's line. It's through Abraham. And so one of the questions we considered at the beginning, how is it that we can receive the blessings of God? There's all sorts of people out there who, who will say, well, there's any number of ways to God. But in what God has said, there's one way to God. There's one way to blessing. It's through the line of Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, which culminates in Jesus Christ. And Jesus has said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. God has given us a pathway to tremendous, eternal blessing, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, the promise of all things made new. But he's given it in a particular way. He said, this is the door. In fact, Jesus says, I am the door. Right? Jesus is the door. If we would be reconciled to God, if we would be made new, if we would receive the blessings of the new creation, it's through Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham. Salvation is offered to all. But as we read earlier, the, the door is narrow. And those who go through it are few. The door is Jesus. Don't try any other doors. As promising as they may look, as wide as they may seem, they will lead only to destruction. Jesus is the way to life. All right, the promises are reiterated here. The tension of the passage is, will God make good on his promises? And this is a question that comes up for Isaac right away. Abraham had spent a lifetime learning to trust God. Isaac's just starting out. And we're going to see throughout this passage, Isaac walks in the footsteps of his father at every turn. This chapter if you've been paying attention, should read like a rerun. Because almost every event in Isaac's life is a, 
is sort of a parallel to something that happened to Abraham. The first thing that happens is one of Abraham's and Isaac's great mistakes. Verse 6, Isaac settled in Gerar, and when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. So this is, Abraham had done this before, not once, but twice, with his wife Sarah, where he, he deceived the people about the identity of his wife. He said, well, no, she's my sister, which technically was true of Sarah, but he refrained from telling them that she was his wife, and Isaac pulls the same stunt. Why? We're told it's out of fear. Fear. He was afraid of the men of Gerar. He was afraid of the Philistines. He was afraid that they might kill him so they could marry his wife. What's the problem with that? The problem is not trusting God. He's just quite literally been promised the world. Right? The God of heaven, the God of earth has said, I will bless you and your descendants unto the, unto the end of the age. And he goes and lives in the region of a, a pretty small-time king. And he's with the great promises of God in one hand, terrified for his life from the small small town king on the other hand. And it'd be easy to well, it's easy to say, this is crazy. Why would you ever do this? And it's easy for us to say, with this perspective, to say, oh come on, Isaac, just read to the end of the chapter. Of course God's gonna bless you. But isn't this, don't we find our hearts doing the same thing? Right? Maybe not acted out in the same scenario. We know the promises on one hand. If I'm in Christ, if I belong to God, if I'm his son or daughter, I know I'm safe. I know he'll take care of me. I know whatever may come, he's with me. I know I should just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all else will be provided. Right? I know the promises. Right? But it can be very easy with those promises in one hand to look at the or whatever it is it's staring you in the face, and to be more afraid of that than of God. It's true both of our fears and our anxieties. It's true also of our sins. From the very beginning, all the way in the garden. Why is it that we sin? So we don't trust the word of God. We don't trust that what God has said is actually good. We say, I know a better way. So much falls into place when we simply trust the word of God. Take God at his word. Well, this, this incident works itself out. We're told that Abimelech saw Isaac and Rebekah laughing. This seems to be a euphemism. They're laughing in such a way that a husband and wife, only a husband and wife would laugh. And so Abimelech, like the two kings Abraham pulled this stunt on, confronts Isaac, says, what are you doing? Someone could have married her. What are you thinking, Isaac? And so Abimelech solemnly warns all the people, stay away from Rebekah. She's taken. Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. This event tells us something both about Isaac's fearful heart 
it also tells us something about God's patience. We've seen this stunt before. God's seen this stunt before. He watched Abraham, Isaac's father, in fear, pull the same stunt twice. And now Isaac again. If there's a time for God's patience to run short, this might be one of them. Haven't we talked about this? Haven't we been through this again? It says something about that apples don't fall far, fall far from the tree. Like father, like son, like mother, like daughter, don't we often find ourselves walking in the same sins as our fathers or mothers? But even as we see Isaac walking in the sins of his father, God is faithful. He doesn't abandon Isaac. Isaac's afraid God won't be enough, so he makes his own plans to protect his safety. But God comes through. First we saw the blessing promised, now the blessing in question, and finally, the blessing is provided. And Isaac's cup runneth over. Verse 12, Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped in that same year a hundredfold. Is an incredible crop yield. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. And in verse 16, we read that Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. Notice how the tables have turned just in a couple of verses, right? Isaac goes into Gerar terrified for his life of these, these men. Right? And with a couple of years of good crops, right, a couple of years of God's blessing poured out on Isaac, now they're terrified of him. Go away from us. You're mightier than we. You're a threat. We're worried you might take over, Isaac. Please find somewhere else to be. Now this, this puts things in jeopardy again for Isaac. He's, he's got a good thing going in Gerar. Right? He's got access to resources and trade that have made him very wealthy, and now he's back out in the wilderness again. Now he's back out dependent on God again. Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father. We, we read on a couple of occasions that Isaac goes and he digs again the well of his, his father, Abraham, the, these encampments he'd known as a child, wandering with his father Abraham, digs a well, and the Philistines come in and chase, chase him off. And twice this happens. You can imagine Isaac began to worry. Lord, what are you doing? How can we live in the wilderness without water? You told me to sojourn in the land, and I'm trying, but we're coming up dry. And again, the thing seems like it's entirely in jeopardy until they move, verse 22, and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, which means broad places or room, space, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Finally, God's given us a place. He's given us a home. 
And so at this point, great blessing has been poured out on Isaac. He'd started out pretty well off with everything he inherited from his father, and now God has multiplied it. He's poured out his blessing on Isaac. And in verse 23, we read that he went from there to Beersheba. Again, this is a place where Abraham had encamped previously, and the Lord appears to him that same night. And what he does is he repeats the promise again. Over and over, God's repeating the promises to his people. Here, much shorter, in summary, having received the blessings, God reminds Isaac where it all comes from. I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. Again, for Abraham's sake, I will do it. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. So again, this provision of water. Isaac hears the promise repeated, and what's his response? Worship. Worship. He builds an altar, which is the way of sacrifice in the Old Testament. You build an altar, and you sacrifice the best of your flock on it as a way of saying, Lord, I belong to you. He built an altar there and worshipped. This is the pattern of Christian worship. Blessing and thankfulness. When we received and understood the incredible blessing of God in Jesus Christ, the natural and the right response is of praise. And as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, what Paul calls us to in Romans 12 in the New Testament is that we're not called to build a physical altar and offer animals on it, that we're called to make of ourselves living sacrifices. That for those of us who belong to Jesus, for those of us who've been redeemed by his name, we now belong to God. We're his sons and daughters. And our responsibility is to give the whole of our lives over to him. We were bought with a price. We belong to him. And so now all of life is worship. Or it ought to be. And it's helpful to notice the pattern. Blessing, then worship. Blessing, then thanks. We will overflow in worship and in thanks to God if we have adequately understood the magnitude of the blessing he has given us. Isaac overflows in praise when he comes to realize, God, look how faithful you've been to me. Look how good you've been to me. And this is why it's good practice for us in our, in our prayers, in our devotions, in our time together as, as, a, as a church on a Sunday morning to begin our time in praise, to begin our time considering, God, how great you are, how wonderful you are, how much you've done for us. And then as our hearts are filled with a sense of thanksgiving, we'll overflow in praise. The final scene of this chapter is a meal. The tables have turned now. 
Remember at the beginning of the chapter, Isaac's afraid of who? The Philistines, afraid for his life. And now at the end of the chapter, what we find is that Abimelech, along with his closest advisors, so this is like the president and all of his cabinet, and maybe the speaker of the house, coming out, coming to Abraham, and saying, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm. They're afraid. They see that God has blessed Abraham. They see that he has great wealth and might, and they say, we're, we're pretty terrified of you, Abraham. Would you make a covenant with us? Would you make a pact with us? The tables have turned. Now they're coming to him on their knees, afraid, because they recognize the blessing of God that has come upon Isaac. You are now the blessed of the Lord. And so they made a covenant together. They exchanged oaths. This is just a foretaste of the way in which all the nations, even today, are turning to recognize the blessing of God that is in Abraham and ultimately in Christ. Here this relatively small nation under the rule of Abimelech sees the blessing of God in Abraham and in Isaac and says, this is real. This is the blessing of God. And they, they can't become a part of the family yet, but, but they at least bow the knee. They say, we recognize what's going on here. You are blessed of the Lord. And what's going on even today as, as the church of Christ proclaims the gospel of the kingdom throughout the world is that all the nations are coming to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 19, this is the Great Commission, actually beginning in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the task of the church of Christ. This is the task of Christians throughout the world, proclaiming the authority and the kingdom of Jesus Christ to the nations. And in the last 2,000 years, from a starting point of a few hundred disciples on the day of Pentecost, now more people in the world claim the name of Christ than any other king. There's more more Christians in the world than any of the other major religions, at least nominal Christians. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The picture we get in the Revelation, the glimpse we get of the end of the world and of the beginning of the new creation is that of the new Jerusalem and into the new Jerusalem, people from all the nations streaming in. People from all the nations streaming into the city of God, coming to Christ. Friends, the blessing that was promised to Isaac is, is being fulfilled even today, even in our hearing. Not many of us, as far as I know, are physically sons of Abraham. We're among the nations. 
but we've been brought into the covenant blessings by faith in Jesus Christ. In Isaac, all the nations of the world will be blessed. In Christ, all the nations of the world are being blessed. The blessing of God passes on through Abraham to his seed and to the whole world. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, our desire is to know you. Our desire is to know life, eternal life. Our desire is to know the life of knowing you, being reconciled to you through your Son, Jesus. We marvel at the great blessings which you have lavished on us in him. And we long, Lord, that the nations would hear, that the world would turn to you, that you would pour out your spirit in many nations, even as you are now, and that they would turn to you and be reconciled to the Father through you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would bring this about. We pray even in our own families, in our own hearts, in our houses, in our community, Lord Jesus that you would bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That even as we have come to taste and to know of the blessings of Christ, that many around us would come to know and to taste of the blessings of Christ. Make us instruments of that mission. May our mouths be overflowing with the good news of Jesus Christ, that many would hear and believe. We pray this in Jesus the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together. Praise God from whom.